Bethany is going to be reading from Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Thank you, Bethany. Um, Today, as um, Scott just said, we're continuing our reading in Colossians, and it is from um, Colossians 3, 18, 4 to 1. So please join me in reading this. Colossians 18, sorry, Colossians 3, verse 18, 4 to 1. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Father in heaven, we uh, thank and praise you for your word. And we thank you that your word speaks so clearly to us of uh, our lives now as we seek to live our lives uh, under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that uh, by your word and spirit that you'd be changing our minds, changing our hearts, changing our actions uh, as a result of hearing your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a very good friend who lives in Sydney and about once every year we try to get together for a meal in order to catch up on life. Uh, We've been doing that for over 20 years now. He's a very dear friend. And uh, when when I think about it, our conversations about life tend to boil down to three main topics. Our marriages, our families, particularly our kids, and our work. And when you think about it, there's plenty to talk about on those topics, isn't there? Uh, You know it yourself, don't you? Of course, it depends on our situation in life. Not all of us are married. Uh, Not all of us have children. Not all of us have paid employment. But we all have relationships, don't we? Uh, For relationships are fundamental to who we are. They are fundamental to our lives and they are fundamentally building blocks of our society. And amongst the most important of relationships are those within marriage, within family life and within the workplace. Now, in the book of Colossians, the behind the scenes topic has been spirituality. What does it mean? to be truly spiritual. And we've already seen over the last few weeks that uh, it's not about trusting in Christ plus doing certain things, certain religious festivals and obeying certain laws about food and drinks and so on. And it's not about having higher experiences. Rather, uh, it's about having an understanding, a true understanding of who, you are, who we are in Christ and then living for him. 
Now, uh, you may like to open up your Bibles now at Colossians chapter 3, and especially where we finished off last Sunday at uh, verse 17. Let me remind you of that. Let me read to you from verse 17 of Colossians 3, where the Apostle Paul says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, all of our lives, every aspect of our lives, is now to be lived in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul doesn't leave it at that, does he? No, in, in chapter 3, verses 18 to chapter 4, verse 1, he now spells that out for us. He now, now spells out what that is going to look like in our relationships. Those three key areas of relationship, marriage, family and work. And just like my annual catch-up with my friend, there's a lot to talk about there, isn't there, folks? So what I plan to do is to cover this passage over three weeks so that we can have the opportunity to flesh it out a bit and think it through a bit more deeply. And starting today with verses 18 and 19, that is the relationship between husbands and wives. Let me read that for you. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands... Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, I'd have to say, folks, that uh, there are a few uh, passages in the Bible that have aroused uh, more controversy than these two verses and others that are like it in the Bible. And it's really one word, isn't it, that arouses a controversy? It's the word submit. For the idea that wives uh, should submit to their husbands seems just absolutely contradictory to our desire for equality, dignity and mutual respect in relationships, especially in marriage and especially for women. I say that because of our experience of life, uh, whereby women have been eroded of these things. In marriages where the husband has a, a, a worldly view of himself as being the one who is in charge. And of course the abuse which sadly so often occurs. And so why would Paul say that wives should submit to their husbands? Some Christians have thought, well, maybe the original word doesn't actually mean submit. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's, it means something much softer, like, you know, be supportive or be devoted. Or, or Others say, well, perhaps it's just cultural, uh, applicable in the first century, but not applicable in the 21st century. But there is a better way of understanding this, and it's a way which uh, it takes us to, back to the very heart and indeed the, the very origins of human relationships. So I'm going to get you to uh, do some work with your Bibles now, uh, if you've got those uh, in front of you. Can I get you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, just for a few moments, uh, right at the very beginning of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 1. 
Because in Genesis 1 to 3, we learn four important truths about men and women. And the first truth is that men and women are equal. Uh, In uh, chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 27, we are told, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now here, of course, man means mankind. We can read that as humankind. Uh, Human beings are, we, we learn here, the image bearers of God himself both male and female. And and because both uh, are made in God's image, both bear the image of God, we are therefore both of equal value. That is intrinsic in being made in the image of God the Creator. We are both of equal value. But secondly, we also learn in Genesis that we are also different, not just because we have different bodies, which of course we do have, uh, but also because we have different uh, roles within the relationship. Uh, We see that uh, in the more detailed account of Adam and Eve in chapter 2, verse 18, if you could uh, look at that, please. In chapter 2, verse 18, we're told that the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, I will make a suitable helper for him. It goes on to say that after God took a rib bone from Adam in chapter 2, verse 22, uh, that then the Lord God made a, a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And then the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she is taken out of man. Now there's a lot packed into that. We'll spend a whole sermon just on those verses. But putting these two truths together, what we see is that there is both an equality and there is an order in the relationship. An order where uh, Eve is supposed to be uh, the supporter of Adam, his his helper, uh, and Adam uh, is the originator of Eve. The the third truth is then the entry of sin into the world. Uh, In Genesis chapter 3, Satan tempted Eve to disobey God and then Eve uh, took that temptation to Adam. Eve took the lead in the relationship and led Adam into sin. Now, in the Bible, Adam is deemed to be culpable for that. For he abdicated his responsibility in the relationship, the responsibility to lead his wife. Fourthly, one of the outcomes of all of this is the punishment that we see in chapter 3, verse 16. Amongst the uh, various punishments which resulted from the uh, sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, in verse 16, in the latter part of verse 16, Uh, The Lord God said to the woman that your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Uh, Meaning that in the sinful fallenness of our world, uh, that the woman would desire uh, to lead her husband, but that he would be the one who would rule over her. This is an outcome of the fallenness of humanity 
And it speaks to what we so often see in marriages, doesn't it? For instead of the harmonious, uh, complementary relationship which God intended, there is instead, instead sin in marriages with its selfishness and with its conflict and with, with its struggle for power uh, within the marriage. So then, what difference does Jesus make? Well, Jesus died because of our sin and in so doing, he restored the order of relationship so that as we put to death the sinful nature and clothe ourselves with Christ, our relationships will change. In a sense, reversed, uh, so as to be in the order that God created. You know, in nearly 30 years of pastoral ministry, I've actually never had one godly woman say to me, Scott, I really wish that my husband would do less leadership in our family. I really wish that my husband would not be so much the one who uh, makes the tough decisions. I, I really wish that my husband would lead us less in the things of God, who would lead us less in our Bible readings, in our prayer times and in getting to church on Sunday. I really wish I'd have a husband who would do less of that. No one's ever said that to me. Not once in 30 years. I've had plenty of women who said the reverse, that they would love to have a husband who would actually lead like that in their marriage and in their families. Now, in any marriage, um, there's, there's a multitude of decisions and actions that uh, husbands and wives make every day of the week. And we make those decisions independently of one another, according to the circumstance and who, according to who's best placed to be making those decisions at that particular time. But when after proper consideration, the husband and wife just cannot agree, there are times when the husband has to take responsibility and to be allowed to do so which involves his wife submitting to him. But this is not tyranny. This is not servitude. For we cannot separate what Paul says to wives from what he says to husbands. For in verse 19, Paul commands husbands to love your wives and not be harsh with them. Now, the word which is translated love is packed with meaning. See, when I say I love my wife, uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, men, uh, if you're married, what, what do you mean when you say that? I, I might be saying, when I say that I love my wife, I might be saying that I think that she's wonderful, that she's terrific, that uh, I really enjoy her, that she's a fantastic person, I'm glad to be married to her. And all of that, of course, is true. But it's not what Paul's saying here. There is a particular Greek word, phileo, uh, which he could have used to describe that kind of feeling love. But the word he uses here is not a feeling kind of thing. It's the word agape. It's a doing thing. It's about the husband putting aside his own interest for the well-being of his wife. In decision-making, sacrificing his own benefit 
his own preferences, his own pleasures, his own for her. I've, I've heard it described like this, and I think it's a helpful illustration in some senses. But imagine a husband and wife are, are both on a ship and the ship is sinking. There's a lifeboat, but it can only take one more person. And so the husband exercises his headship by insisting that she be the one who takes that last spot in the lifeboat. And we see this sacrificial leadership in a very similar passage. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, the husband is to love his wife in the same way that Christ loved the church. And friends, how did Christ love the church? Well, he gave himself up for her, didn't he? He gave his life for the church. That's how he loved us. And I guess that uh, there's very few husbands who will ever have to physically die uh, for the sake of their wives. But that may happen. And there are some for whom that is the case. Um, but for most of us, it's more the day-to-day -day stuff, isn't it? It's the choices and the actions that we take in everyday life of thinking what is best for her and then leading accordingly. Uh, in a sense, it is a man being like Christ towards his wife. Now, all men, um, we will all stumble at this in various ways and in various times, but... But that is the goal. That is our, our hope. That is our desire. That is what, because that is our new identity in Christ. And it's easier, isn't it, to submit to someone who you know really loves you, to submit to someone who you know has got your best interests front and centre, even when it costs them to do so. But Paul also adds, uh, not only should the husband love his wife, but he also adds, and not be harsh with them. Not be harsh with your wives. Now, why would Paul have to say that? Well, I, I think in one sense it reminds us, um, in a kind of negative way, it reminds us of what love actually is. Uh, back in verse 14, which we looked at, uh, was it last week? Uh, love... Uh, binds together a whole bunch of godly characteristics. It binds together qualities such as compassion and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness. And so therefore, any sense that a husband would control his wife, any sense that a husband would erode her as a person, any sense that a husband would harm her in any way, has got nothing to do with this passage. It's got nothing to do with biblical submission and headship. And it's got everything to do with sin. And it is the very reason for which Christ died. For by his death and resurrection, he has created a new people of God, chosen, holy, 
and dearly loved in whose lives the effects of the fall are reversed. The order of relationships with God at the, at the very top is now restored. And people will see in us, therefore, the image of God being displayed. Husbands and wives, equal but different, working together in Christ. Now, the context of this letter uh, to the Colossians was uh, false teaching. And, and the false teachers who were encircling the Colossian church had a particular view of spirituality uh, where they thought that to be truly spiritual meant not only trusting in Christ but inflicting pain on yourself, depriving your body of certain good things, of um, uh, experiencing certain spiritual experiences, heavenly visions and worshipping angels and all of this supposedly impressive and really exciting kind of stuff. But true spirituality will be seen in the very ordinary things of life. How we treat one another in our marriages. And as we'll see in coming weeks, how we treat one another in family life and how we treat one another as we go to work each day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his death and resurrection has uh, reversed the effects of the fall amongst your people. We pray for ourselves that we would be people who uh, put Christ at, as, uh, at the, as Lord of our lives and in living for him would live rightly in our relationships, that you would be honoured and glorified amongst us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.